Hi, it's DeWire, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. We'll just deal with this sun here in the background. Sometimes that leads to uh, good videos. Remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. It's April 12th, if I haven't said that. Let's talk about the classic, and it's a classic on a host of levels. Sebastian Fundora's victory over Erickson Lubin. Now let me back up first a little bit and just to the boxing community, because I understand there are fiefdoms out there who want to keep the titles they have in-house. And uh, that's preventing us from seeing great fights, right? According to reports, uh, Terrence Crawford has an opportunity to fight the winner of Ugas Spence, right? But PBC wants him to sign, as does every group who doesn't want to put the titles in-house at risk. You know, the one thing I know about fight fans is they love a fight. That involves strategy. They also love a fight that involves an unbeaten fighter who looks like he's different, who looks like he might be unbeatable. I know Will Chamberlain said, hey, no one roots for Goliath, but I'll tell you what, everyone wants to see Goliath play. Right now, Sebastian Fundora, 6'6", six, six, at 154, looks like Goliath. Right, you look at the two fighters after this fight, and Erickson Lubin's face looks like he's had bad plastic surgery. Looks completely rearranged. It's swollen. Let's just hope when the swelling goes down, and that'll take days. Erickson Lubin still looks like Erickson Lubin. I believe there are a lot of fans out there like me who wonder what a master like a Terrence Crawford, or an Errol Spence, or an Ugas, would do against the towering Inferno. Let me also tip my hat to Fundora's Corner. If you were alive in the 1970s, you remember the movie, The Towering Inferno, right? That was that rare movie that had two of the big box office stars of the day, Steve McQueen, who plays a fireman in that show, and Paul Newman, right, who's an architect in that show, right? The show's loaded with stars from the 70s. Well, as they say in the James Bond film, if you live long enough, you see it all. They've taken that name. It fits the fighter. He is an inferno and he is towering. Right, let's just say I know a lot of people out there watching this video might not know who he is. I'm just telling you, from this seat, he's already one of the biggest draws in boxing. There's no way you can look at films of this fight and not reach the conclusion that this guy's a spectacle. I'm not saying he's on the pound-for-pound -pound list. Certainly not yet. But what I am saying is, People want to see a spectacle. This fighter has the credibility that an unbeaten fighter has. And he has height 
that takes the event out of the norm and puts it someplace else, right? This is not the tall, bashful, cautious fighter. This is the tall guy who wants to hit you with uppercuts with both hands. If I'm a promoter, if I'm Crawford, because their holes will discuss them. If I'm Crawford, this is one of those guys who I want to look at. More importantly, this fight was actually for a minor title at 154. Understand, if you beat Fundora, then you become a mandatory at 154. Right? You know 154 is a lot of moving parts. Let's face it, the belts are not going to stay together for the winner of Castano Charlo. Let's face it too, in terms of styles, you're not going to get more exciting styles in one division than you're going to get with Fundora Castano, who's very front foot heavy but clever about it, and Charlo, who's very savvy, very episodic, and ambush fighter. Now let's shift gears and let's talk about this fight a little bit. Let me just make a few points. The great Mike Tyson used to say, everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Now it's clear here that Kevin Cunningham is yelling things at Erickson Lubin. That would have been effective if Erickson Lubin had tried them, right? Lubin, southpaw, that step back left hand, his dominant hand, lands when he does the tactic, right? Lubin needed some lateral movement. The problem is he's getting hit in the mouth. The problem is the bullets are flying in the pocket. And Lubin, who's landing about 50% of his punches, is firmly convinced that if he can just land a few more, he'll swing the fight in his direction. Let's just say the game plan goes out the window. Now, speaking of the game plan, there are a couple of people I feel Lubin needs to call. Right? I want people to think back to the Anthony Yard Lyndon Arthur rematch. Understand, light heavyweights, you need to know both of them. Right? Understand, Yard tried to box the first fight, lost it. So then we had the rematch. And Yard, of course, decides to turn the rematch into a wrestling match. Right? Lyndon Arthur, too smooth from the outside. One of boxing's best jabs. So Yard comes inside is wrestling with Arthur, is forcing Arthur into a plan B and a plan C because plan A, fluid combinations behind a jab, isn't going to happen. Needless to say, Yard gets the stoppage. Right? Lubin needs to call Yard right now. Also, Bernard Hopkins. Hopkins, back in the day, was facing an unbeaten fighter who was heavily favored against him. Felix Trinidad, great left hook. Hopkins decides he's going to smother the left hook, right? He's not going to deal with both of 
Trinidad's hands. He's going to smother the left hook because he has figured out that Trinidad needs space to throw it. Hopkins picks a side. Hopkins, of course, pulls the upset. Let's talk about this fight. Now, Lubin's math is wrong. Right? The big secret to this fight is that it's not the 6-6 guy who needs room to operate. No, no, the secret, <laughs> the secret of this fight, it's a shocker, is it's the shorter guy, Lubin, who needs room to operate. So understand, Lubin has a decision to make. His corner knows it. He has a decision to make. He either needs to stay in the pocket and smother, literally, this has to be the mission that's more important than offense, smother Fundora's uppercuts. In other words, he needs to decide like Yard did. I don't care what sport we're in. They're telling me it's a boxing match. That's fine. I'm here to wrestle. He needed an arm bar. He needed to look at Fundora. He needed to look at Fundora's waist. He needed to decide that he's going to come in and lean on Fundora. Leave no room, none whatsoever. Literally be leaning on him. This was a boxing match that required a football player. He needed to lean on Fundora's midsection. You're fighting a 6'6 guy. I know it's easier said than done. But you needed to force Fundora to take a step back to throw the uppercut. Right? He needed to decide, okay, look, I need to take away something. Fundora's a southpaw, too. So we needed to come in and say, okay, let me pick an uppercut. There will be no left-handed uppercuts from Fundora in this fight. Rather than try to land punches, he, need to, he needed to just run into Fundora. I know this sounds hood, right? I know it sounds roughhouse. That's exactly what it is, folks, because that's what was required here. He needed to force Fundora out of throwing uppercuts, which Fundora needs no space to do. In other words, Fundora is leaning over the pocket, the tall guy, and he's just throwing uppercuts, never has to take a step back. He needed to say no uppercuts. You're going to have to take a step back to throw hooks upstairs. He needed to move Fundora off plan A onto plan B. And understand, because Fundora is a big guy with long arms, if Fundora took a step back to get space to throw hooks, in other words, this is a no uppercut zone, 
right? I'm leaning on you. I have my head on your chest. I have an arm bar here. There is no room to throw an uppercut here. If he forced Fundora to throw hooks instead, Fundora would have had to move backwards, creating the space that counterpunching Lubin needed. Right, to get an idea of the space I'm talking about, the first round is clearly a Lubin round. And you'll notice Lubin is throwing jabs to Fundora's body. Fundora comes out, pretends to have a jab for the first round, right, pretends he's interested in the jab. He has a jab, but he's not that interested in it. And Lubin is moving around, and you notice with space, Lubin can get low, Lubin can get shots off to the body. But then the fight descends into the pocket. And understand, while Lubin needs to take a step back to throw punches deep in the pocket, Fundora doesn't need a step back as long as he's throwing uppercuts. Lubin needed to stop that dynamic. So if he stays in the pocket, he needed to make the pocket a no uppercut zone. Needed to figure out the angles of the punches, needed to lean, needed to run in. Positioning was more important than landing punches. He needed to take Fundora out of his game. Now that's one path he had. The other path was to circle Fundora, not have the pocket form. He needed to look at this big guy and say, I'm going to get behind him continually. I'm going to turn him. This is what his corner wanted. I'm going to turn him. He's not going to set up where he can throw his best weapon, uppercuts in the pocket. Now Lubin, unfortunately, doesn't do either. He's lured in. I'm telling you, guys with flaws are dangerous. Lubin figures out that Fundora is extremely high volume. He's always throwing punches. So Lubin learns that he can land half of the shots he throws. Lubin believes in his power. So Lubin gets taken out of his game by the belief that he can win a shootout. As I mentioned in the pre-fight video, when they asked Floyd Mayweather who the toughest fights are that he's had, he mentions a guy with a lot of losses, Emmanuel Augustus, because Augustus ran red lights and it was the same thing. Mayweather realized that he could land shots on Augustus. So as Mayweather opened up, guess what? Augustus was there, throwing dangerous punches back. Augustus wanted the shootout, not the disciplined elite fight that was a hallmark of Mayweather's career. Mayweather found himself at ground zero against Emmanuel Augustus. Here, Lubin gets taken completely out of his game.
So he's in the worst place he can be. He's in the pocket, folks. Right? The plan has gone out the window. The lateral movement, it's not there. Right? This young guy in front of him wants to engage. Lubin feels he's the better puncher. Lubin decides, okay, look, I haven't had too many fights where I'm landing 50% of my shots. Let me take advantage of this and let me trade with this young guy. That's a big mistake. Right? Fundora is high volume. Fundora is throwing many more punches than Lubin. More importantly, in the pocket, forget the height. Fundora does not have to take a step back to throw an uppercut. Worse yet, he's able to keep his balance. In other words, he's throwing the hook. All he has to do is drop the shoulder. He's throwing more uppercuts, in my opinion, than any other punch. So he's dropping the shoulder. He's throwing uppercuts. He's comfortable with it. He doesn't have to worry about creating space, taking a step back. Think about what the hook would have entailed. He's deep in the pocket, deep in the pocket, and all he has to do is lean down and come back up with the uppercut, right? Not only that, it keeps his hands here. So he knows if Lubin comes in with a punch from outside his arms, he can use a forearm to block part of it. So he's just coming in with uppercuts and the beauty of being taller than everyone else is Lubin has to reach to hit him in the side of the head. So as long as the fight is fast-paced and a lot of punches are being thrown, Fundor is functional. Right now, Lubin, taken out of his game, is trading punches with him. So Lubin is getting hit with uppercut after uppercut. And understand, there's no Bernard Hopkins method to the madness. It's not like you're watching the fight and you say, oh, Lubin has taken away his left uppercut. So Lubin is only getting hit with uppercuts from Fondora's non-dominant hand. No, folks, forget that calculus. Forget that calculus. Instead, you're looking at Lubin getting hit with left, right, left, right, left, right. Lubin has stopped nothing of what Fundor is doing. Right, you're, you're looking at the fight. Let me also say this too. The fight's deceiving. Seventh round. You may have read the short version of this fight and heard, oh, Lubin knocked him down in the seventh round. You may have even seen highlights where Lubin comes up top. You notice Fandora's head snap back. Then Fandora makes it over to the other rope, then takes a knee. Folks, up until that point in the seventh round, Fandora is beating the living daylights out of Lubin. Folks, it's so bad, I was looking at that round, and I was thinking, this is a 10-8 round. I thought, Lubin is getting beaten up. This is a 10-8 round. Then, of course, knockdowns cause amnesia. Lubin gets Fundura to take a knee, and suddenly you're thinking, okay, well, 
I guess I better score this round for Erickson Lubin. Folks, Lubin at that point's disfigured. He's getting teed off on. The next round, Lubin's volume is gone. One of the heroes of this fight is Kevin Cunningham. Right, so understand. Fundora is the opposite of what you think he is. You see a tall guy, you think, oh, he needs to extend his arms. You see a tall guy and you think, oh, he's going to use his reach to stay away from the opponent. No, no, no. Right, short guys might think, hey, man, if I can get inside here and stay inside, I'm going to wilt this tall guy. No, no, no. Folks, if a tight pocket forms and you don't know how to block an uppercut, you can't smother the uppercuts. You're finished. Like, finished. Let me say this, too. You know, I know a lot of people fighting a tall guy are going to say, hey, you know, Fandora comes out, he looks good throwing a jab. You say, hey, I don't want to be out here. No, 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 you... You want to be out there, right? There needed to be lateral movement here. Lubin should have deprioritized landing punches and should have prioritized positioning. If he wanted to be able to extend his arms, understand a counterpuncher wants the opportunity to dodge your punch and come back with theirs, right? If Lubin, a skillful counterpuncher, wanted to move and counterpunch, he needed to figure out a way to keep a tight pocket from forming. He should have been circling Fundora. Let me point out, too, a big guy has a lot to move, right? As I said, if they were leaning on each other in the pocket, and if Fondora wanted to throw a hook up top, Fondora would need time to pull that long arm back and then to come in and need space to hit Lubin. If Lubin had his head on Fondora's chest with an arm bar, at least one arm, smothering the uppercuts, Fondora wouldn't have had the space to get leverage to throw a meaningful hook up top. So appearances here were deceiving. Lubin got lured into ignoring his corner and fighting exactly the wrong fight. The knockdown in the second round, after Lubin wins the first round, and let me point out too, the knockdown in the second round is not a one-punch knockdown. Lubin is hurt for several seconds in the second round. He gets hit. You see him slowed up. You see him dazed. Now, at that point, I understand, Fundora, tall guys are hard to grab, right? When the guy is leaning like this because the guy's body is well behind his shoulder, right? Fundora makes sure he's hard to clinch. But let me just say, if Lubin is hurt against an uppercut artist, What's he doing getting hit with an uppercut? 
Somebody explain that to me. If Lubin's hurt, given that Fundora seems addicted to the pocket, why wouldn't Lubin just turn and walk away? I'd rather be dazed and stay on my feet and lose around 10-9 than to linger around, get knocked down by the guy's A-punch, uppercut. Right? I'll agree it's with his right hand, not his dominant left hand, but it's an uppercut. You don't want to get knocked down early in a fight, wake up the judges. Suddenly they're thinking, oh, the underdog has a chance. Worse yet, the underdog's thinking, I can close this. Let me also say, too, that we all move at different speeds. Right? Some people just talk faster than other people. Right? So if you're a slow talker, as I am from time to time, and you try to match a fast talker, you might find yourself fumbling over your words. A man's got to know his limitations. Lubin needs to realize that given his fight style, which is a counter-punching cerebral fight style, he's not going to match Fundora in volume. He needed to understand that. Right? Fandora is throwing a lot of punches. So what Lubin needed to do was to slow down the fight. A, a slower fight with him, you know, moving behind Fandora, forcing Fandora to move, having things there, punches to greet Fandora as he turned. That would have benefited Lubin. If Lubin's in the pocket, rather than trade with Fundora so it's high volume and Fundora gets both hands moving, Lubin should have come in and tried to just make it a grappling match inside. Right? If he can't clinch Fundora, because Fundora, you know, knows how to move his hands and stuff, force the referee to come inside to separate them. There should have been no space for uppercuts. Instead, he gets lured into a shootout. So let me just say to the stars out there, and there are several who are frozen out for the moment because, of course, we're having a unification fight. And because, of course, fighters have cover, right? Spence is fighting Ugas, let's face it. If that's a great fight, there'll be a Spence-Ugas rematch. Right? If you're a fighter hoping for a shot on the winner for unification, that might not happen. At least not in the short term. I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a box office cash cow, outside of the usual suspects, Right? Heavyweights, Joshua, you know, people like that. The heavyweight division is a different island. Right? Or a Canelo. Outside of big names like that, this is the fighter to fight. Right? You're going to look on film and you're going to see defensive lapses. 
Understand, he already has a draw on his record. By the way, the guy who gave him the draw was one of the sparring partners for Lubin in preparing for this fight. Right? Understand, I would argue Fondora's had a few tough fights. This is an opportunity to bring a circus element to the sport. Crawford against Fundora, just looking at the guys, just seeing the weigh-in and the face-down where one guy is looking up at the other, right? People are going to look at the fight and say, wow, that's interesting. Then, as fight fans like, they would see high-level talent, right? Because you're going to need a game plan to beat a guy with this level of volume and this level of fearlessness deep in the pocket, right? Fundora is a must-watch. This fight was the fight of the weekend, right? A weekend that had a bunch of fights, big stars. Ryan Garcia's back. Right, Golovkin, this was the fight of the weekend. Erickson Lubin got outplayed in this one. All you have to do is look at the guy's faces after the fight. Right, he needs to listen to his corner a little bit more. He's still very dangerous, folks. I believe he's championship level. But he needs to listen to his corner a little bit more. I believe he needs to call up some guys in the game who've dealt with smooth opposition. guy like Anthony Yard. Right? I think he needs to talk to some vets. A guy like a Bernard Hopkins who would tell him, player, what are you doing? You got to take away one of his hands. You can't have this young guy throwing high volume with both hands as deep as the Eighth round, you can't have that happen. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Let me point out to the first round. You wonder what got Lubin out of that. Right? He's throwing jabs to Fundora's body. He's staying outside. What was wrong with that? When Fundora comes in and is throwing punches, don't you need to dampen your testosterone? You're not going to say, hey, player, you're not going to come in here and rough me up like that. Don't you need to say, hey, hey, before I get into all that macho stuff, let me continue moving around the ring. Let me let this guy know you're not going to be able to find me. You're going to have to work to find me. I don't care if your defense is leaky. You're going to have to work to find me, and you're going to have to throw something other than uppercuts. The testosterone got the best of Lubin, and it cost him. Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Thanks for stopping by.